This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Lingoda. Lingoda is an online language school that is famous for their sprints. With a sprint, you challenge yourself to attend 15 classes a month for three months, and if you meet that goal, you get 50% of your cash back. Or you can sign up for the super sprint and get 100% of your cash back if you attend 30 classes for three months. It's a super fun way to motivate yourself to learn a language, especially if you're like me and you're a little bit competitive against your own self. Lingoda offers German, French, Spanish, English, and business. English classes all by native speakers and the coolest thing is it's all online offered 24-7 so you just sign up for the appropriate level in the language you want log on and there you are in an online class with maximum four other students I actually used Lingoda at the beginning of the year to start learning French for someone as busy as me the flexibility is really really key If you're interested in signing up, you've got until October 15th. This is actually the last sprint of the year. And hey, if you sign up with the code expatcast2, you can save 20 euros on the 49 euro deposit. So go ahead and click the link in the show notes and sign up with Lingoda Sprints today. Welcome to the expatcast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. And man, does it feel good to say those words again. It's It's been a minute, guys. I hope everyone had a really, really great summer. I kind of can't believe it's already over, mostly because the summer weather never really came to Germany or At least when it did, it was very brief in its appearance. But I hope everyone made the most of it anyway. I know I sure did. Managed to even sneak a trip back home in there. I finally got to hug all my family and friends. And I hope that same thing is true for a lot of you guys out there, that you were able to have some safe travels home after so long apart. Traveling home is not the only thing I did this summer or during this podcast break. As some of you may have heard, I launched a new podcast with my buddy Aspen from Aspen Abroad. She and I met actually through the podcast years ago. She's been on the show a couple times since then. And even podcast and YouTube and Instagram stuff aside, we're really great friends who always find ourselves talking about the silly situations we get ourselves into when dating German men. We decided there's enough stories here. We gotta make a podcast about this. And I have to say, it has been an absolute blast putting this together with Aspen, sharing some of our stories, hearing hers. Girl has stories, let me tell you. So anyway, the podcast is called The Dating Abroadcast. You can find it wherever you're listening to this show, and you can definitely go ahead and follow us on Instagram. We are putting out fire memes like all the time. And I think anyone who's dated or married to a German person can probably relate to a lot of this content. I'm going to link to the show in the show notes, and I really hope you guys go ahead and subscribe. But don't worry, just because I have that show doesn't mean I'm done with this one. I was just on a season break, and now I am back ready for season six, and really, really excited to kick it off with Vanessa. Vanessa is someone I met via Instagram. Her Instagram handle is Wander Onwards. Maybe some of you guys know her already. She is an American living in Berlin, and not only does she post a lot of great expat content and some super cool travel content. She also is a financial badass. I'm sorry if that word's offensive. It's just it's just true about her. She is just so impressive. I, I knew I liked what I was seeing when I started following her on Instagram, and it was so cool to get to hear her whole story when I interviewed her for this episode, to hear all the countries she's lived in, how she went from having over a hundred grand in debt 
to being super on her finances, saving for an early retirement, working towards that debt-free life, and all while still having a really high quality of life. Another thing that's cool about her is she is a young Latina woman who is talking about finances, and that is unfortunately quite rare. As Vanessa mentions in the episode, financial topics are often dominated by men. It's pretty cool to be getting some financial insights and advice from someone who more fits at least my demographic. And I know a lot of you guys listeners um, share at least some demographic overlap with me, with Vanessa. So I think you guys are really going to love her content if you don't already. And you're going to love this episode where we peel back the layers a little bit and get to hear more about this impressive lady. So without further ado, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to season six. Let's hand it on over to Vanessa. I am Vanessa M.W. I am originally from Los Angeles, California, and for the last eight years, I've been living around the world in China, the UK, Turkey, and now I'm based in Berlin, Germany. So how long has the Germany part of things been? So I moved here in February 2020, just as the borders were closing. I literally like skated underneath the gate that was closing <laughs> with my cat and my husband and my passport, and then they shut everything down. So originally I moved to Germany to go to Munich, and I feel like I don't even know Munich because I spent most of my time trapped in my apartment. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Like what a time to move. But I really want to, because you listed so many different places and I know from from knowing you um, through Instagram and through your projects, you have so much going on and you have so many facets to your personality. But I'm curious when, you know, if we rewind eight years ago, you're living, uh, you know, back in the States in LA, when did the concept of abroad first come into your mind and like, what did that look like? Well, All through high school, I was bullied by like the same people from age five until 18. So at 17, I was like, get me the hell out of here. Um, I ended up fundraising $3,000 and like tacking myself to this like youth church camp experience in Morocco where I actually got to live in Morocco for two months and work as a camp counselor, like sleeping in a tent in the desert, helping these young Moroccan teens navigate life and and religion and culture. And that was my first taste of living abroad. And I just kept having to do that again and again every year because it was just such an amazing experience. Well, so do you mean you went back to the specific camp or you sought out different experiences? Oh, I sought out different experiences. So um, I studied abroad in India. I would go on trips every year. I would do whatever it took to get out because I just loved it so much. Okay, okay. And then I'm trying to remember when you listed the countries you lived in, I think China was the first one. So is that the first actual move abroad? Yep. Uh, In 2013, after I graduated from college, I packed my two suitcases uh, and just moved to Beijing without ever going there before. I didn't speak the language and I didn't even know anyone there. How did that go? Did it work out? (laughs) Um, (laughs) That was crazy. Um, I ended up going to teach English, but I decided that was not really my expertise or passion. So I quit and they canceled my visa while I was in the country. So I became an undocumented person uh, in China, which I don't recommend for anyone. Whoa. 
Yep. I had to empty out my entire bank account and bring $3,000 worth of cash to this university that I managed to like somehow get accepted to, to study Chinese. And then I transferred my um, information to a student visa and fortunately was no longer undocumented. Oh my God. Okay. So for our first actual move abroad, you got probably a lifetime of anxiety and excitement from that. Like, Jeez, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend that. Uh, stay on the right visa, kids. But okay, you righted the ship. You got back on track. And what was after China? In China, I met my now husband at a beer pong tournament in Beijing, where I was supposed <laughs> to be on a date with another guy, but he like canceled on me last minute. And I was like, well, there's a whole room of hot single expat men I'm just going to stay by myself and just like make some friends and mix it up. I'm single like a Pringle. (laughs) I met my husband that night. And as a result of that relationship, he moved to London three months after us meeting and was like, do you want to come follow me across the world? Despite you barely knowing me, I want to pursue this. And I quit my job. I left my apartment and I packed my shit and left. Wow. Okay. Okay. So the whole chaos of the undocumented phase in China did not take your spirit for adventure away, I'm noticing. (laughs) No, no. I just never learned, Nicole. Um, That's okay. (laughs) Well, okay. So then all the way over to London, which I'm imagining is a whole different form of culture shock after first LA and then, and then, well, all these other places along the way, and then several, you know, some actual time in China and then London. So what was it like coming back to a place where English was the spoken language? It was a breath of fresh air at first because I'm like, oh man, I can finally make my hopes, wants, and dreams known again properly. But there definitely is a severe culture shock when you go to the UK because they speak some sort of derivative of English that we as Americans do not naturally understand. It's also kind of a lonely place because in the UK, it's so close in proximity that people have friends from like childhood that they went to university with and now they're living in London with. And there's not a lot of space for like a newcomer um, that had just moved to the country to make sort of those same connections. So I really struggled to make friends when I first got there. And then once I found other internationals, um, that's when I really started to integrate. That's really interesting. This is always the tension with with building friendships when living abroad. It's like you feel like you're supposed to be befriending the locals, whatever supposed to be means. Mm -hmm. But that's usually not that easy, not that possible at the beginning. And so it's interesting to hear you say that actually befriending other internationals is what made you feel more connected there. Yeah. And we would all like celebrate friends giving together or exchange national holidays. I went to like a Chinese New Year dinner that was amazing. Just the ability to adapt and then like rely on one another was nothing I'd ever seen in the United States. And that really hooked me on this lifestyle, having such intense relationships with people from all over the world and sometimes in a fleeting way because a lot of people move around, but it's still such a meaningful experience to me. Right. And then you also get to learn so much about whatever their culture is. Like I feel like sometimes living in Germany, for instance, I've learned more about Iran here 
than I ever expected to because, you know, I have a couple of friends from Iran. And of course, I'm also learning a ton about Germany through all these other experiences. But one of the surprising benefits is that you just meet so many different people and you get a little smorgasbord of all of it in your life. <laughs> I love that. My little smorgasbord in Berlin is like predominantly Russians, which I never would have thought would be the case. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm learning about like the Ukraine crisis in detail. And it, it's it's just such a, an interesting way to like consume information and culture through people who are from that place and through people who lived it. Right. I mean, uh, to bring up a couple of really sticky situations on like the global stage, back in May of 2021, there was sort of a flare up of the Palestine-Israel crisis and experiencing that here in Germany with, again, international friends from several different countries who have had different experiences either with those countries or, or in similar situations with other countries was so different than the perspectives I'd gotten in the past from where I grew up in an American environment. I grew up in a predominantly Jewish area and it just was so much of a broader perspective. It's really special. Like, I don't know, when you watch the news, it's just different now, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes you hear on the news and you're like, it's a concept of a place or you see the food in a restaurant and that's all it is. But now you actually have colors and textures to what this place means. Absolutely. And that was so apparent when I moved to China because everyone had an opinion about me going to China and they're like, well, they do this, they do that. Their government is an oppressive regime, blah, blah, blah. And yes, some of those things were true, but when you're in China, like I've never been safer in my life. I walked home drunk barefoot at three o'clock in the morning on New Year's. Nobody touched me, nobody talked to me. If you like mind your business and mind the rules, you live in such a safe and inviting environment that it almost blinds you to some of the controversies in the country because you just don't experience it firsthand and it doesn't impact your everyday life. Right. And then, you, I don't know, you say that and now I think about London again and I'm curious, like, what was the safety experience like there? <laughs> that is the second most dangerous ass place I have ever been. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm like, in many ways, I'm not at all surprised, but it's so funny because I think back and it's like, if you told your American family back then, instead of you of moving to China, if you'd said, I'm moving to London, I'm sure they would have had such a different reaction. And it's like, realistically, it's totally swapped. <laughs> yep, exactly. Actually, my parents were like a little concerned that I was moving across the world to be with a man I had only known for three months. But when I went to China, they're like, good luck. We believe in you. <laughs> well, okay, but you did move all this way for that man. And I mean, you, you mentioned he's your husband. So that worked out. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> but you ended up moving on from London. So you mentioned Turkey too before Germany, right? Yes. So I briefly lived in Turkey in 2016 at the height of the Syrian war. And I had moved to Turkey to be an emergency aid worker on the border between Turkey and Syria, specifically focusing in something called leishmaniasis, which is a really nasty bug that eats away at your skin. And in Syria, because a lot of the women are covered, the leishmaniasis disease would be on their faces and like eat away at their faces, thus causing them to have fewer opportunities and like really, really struggle and, and have a, a difficult life because they're dealing not only with a um, less than open environment for women, but also this additional like physical uh, trauma that they had to deal with. 
Um, so that that was really interesting work for me, but it was just so dangerous and so emotionally draining that I just I had to come home. Yeah, I mean, gosh, talk about heightened, intense experiences. But I imagine whatever amount of time it was there is, you know, stuff that probably stays with you the rest of your life. Yeah, that's really intense. Yeah, super intense. And this is why I'm quite passionate about like migration in general, because I got to see firsthand the crisis that the Syrian war brought. My colleagues were from Syria. In between lunch breaks, they would show me scars on their back, on their head from when they were caught by the government regime and like beaten for information. And it really just put a lot of things into perspective for me about my privileges, my walk through life as an immigrant. And it opened my eyes that it's not always fair, the hand that you get dealt with, but we still make the best of it wherever we are in the world. Right. I mean, and this is a topic that comes up every so often on this podcast because it's called the expat cast, right? And there's so much privilege in that term expat. And, you know, people are seen differently if they're refugee status, if they're asylum seekers, if they're immigrants, and then there's a certain category of people who self-identify as expats. And it's not nothing, right? Like that's a really important aspect of this whole experience of life abroad. Um, And I think it's really important that you, yeah, that you brought that up and that you've experienced that because in some ways it's like you've been traveling the world and living in all these amazing places. And yeah, you can get amazing pictures and have these special moments, but it's not only that, like that's not the only experience of quote unquote life abroad. For sure. I think it's also difficult to sometimes qualify our our experience abroad, immigrant versus expat versus whomever, because no one's Googling for the top 10 immigrants in Germany. So (laughs) if you're a content (laughs) creator, having expat in your name, in your bio, in your description is critical to your success. Right, exactly. I mean, part of it is a marketing thing. Also, for me, part of it is a bit political because I want to be more inclusive of what's considered an expat. And these assumptions that people have about who is what, just no, blow it all up. Like (laughs) (laughs) people are who they identify as. But okay, so this um, will round out the the geography part of it, because then I want to get into something that you just hinted at. So so, okay, Turkey, and then back to, to London. And then you said in uh, 2020, Germany. So what inspired Germany to be added to the list? So my husband's German, and we were not very happy with our lives in London. Like everyone's broke. Everyone's living in moldy old houses. And we found ourselves being like, well, this would never happen in Germany, blah, 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 blah. For better and for worse, we decided, you know, we need to make a serious move for our our careers, for our happiness. And I think Germany is the next step for that because my husband works for a car manufacturer. So I ended up getting a new job in my current company that could be based in Germany. And that was part of the negotiations that I had with them to be relocated on a German contract in Munich. And when we got it, we took it. That's so cool. So you kept the job that you had in London that you liked and just made it work for you. Well, I had to jump teams and do something different, but I essentially still made it work. I'm so excited to get to this part of things because I know you through your Instagram account and you share so many great resources and tips and ideas of, I mean, so many different aspects of life abroad, travel and lifestyle for sure, but you also share a lot about um business and entrepreneurship and how to move abroad and how to manage your finances abroad. And we've gotten a little taste of that already in our talk. Like you were mentioning negotiating this contract to make it be what you wanted and being flexible 
with what you would be willing to do within that. So yeah, so how did all of these other aspects of what shapes you, um, how did they start coming into the picture? Sort of retract so your your geography. And now let's get to hear about more of all of the different things you've got going on. Well, I'm a Cancer with a Capricorn moon, so I am very complicated. (laughs) (laughs) And there's just so many different facets of like my personality and interests. I just wanted one place to be the best Vanessa I could be and talk about the things that matter to me. And in 2016, I came to terms with my $110,000 worth of debt. It was student loans and a little bit of credit card debt. And I started reading about personal finance, chipping away um, at my debt and trying to dig myself out of this hole that I hands up very much understood was my fault and my doing. And I was wondering why I couldn't find anyone on the internet that looks like me or that comes from where I come from or that is of the same age range as me or even is just a woman like the whole finance space is dominated by men. So slowly but surely, I started talking um, more and more about personal finance, being open with my debt repayments. Once I crushed um, a significant amount of that debt, I started investing and talking about what I was doing, what I was reading, how I was doing that from abroad. And it like people started coming and and following me and and enjoying this new version of Vanessa that was so much more than just a girl in a pretty place taking pretty photos. So I decided to just go with it. And when the pandemic hit, people were really hungry for diverse ways of making income from their home. And I've been doing this for the last eight years, working from my laptop all over the world, trying to make a dollar. So I decided (laughs) to raise my hand and say, hey, I can teach you how to do this. Dude, that is so badass. (laughs) I appreciate it. Did you have any imposter syndrome? A little bit because part of me sees myself as like a a girl still, a a young woman trying to make it in the world. (laughs) And I was like, why would all these grown ass people care about what I have to say? And then I just decided to get out of my own way and put my hand up and be like, if you don't think I'm, I'm worth listening to, that's fine. But these two other people that really need that support and that help do. So I'm going to say it. Yeah, I mean, I asked that question because when you are looking around in a space and you see that people who are your demographic are not here, it is so scary. And it, it's so easy to think, is there a reason why? Or or if there's going to be someone like me, does it have to actually be me? Or why me? And I think a lot of us experience that in different ways, especially when living abroad, because you're often in a minority situation. You know, you might be the only person from your country in your workplace or in this environment. So it's an easy trap to fall into, but why not you is really the right question to be asking. I will say that once I pivoted to something that was more meaningful to me, I think the rest of the world could really tell because it took me ages to get to 10,000 people on Instagram, like years. And then I made this pivot um, at the height of the pandemic And I've gained another 130,000 followers since then, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. And and so tell me a little bit more about what it feels like to be a woman, to be a young woman talking about finance online. It's exhausting. I don't recommend it. Don't do it, everyone. (laughs) Do you have to deal with a lot of like trolls on the internet? (laughs) Oh, constantly, girl. And like for some reason, a lot of them like to attack the fact that 
I'm quote unquote a pretty girl on the internet talking about money and they like to throw me under the bus and be like, oh, from your OnlyFans? Are you making money selling nudes on the internet? It's like, can you can I get a break? And then a lot of people like to attack me for being an immigrant and tell me to go home or European Europe is for Europeans. And so I responded with a cheeky TikTok being like, Europe is mine now and I'm bringing all my friends. Um, (laughs) because you're not going to intimidate me user 00498 like you're anonymous you're a no one you're on my page you're you're not even in the club and you're trying to get in please sit down you have an audience for a reason like you know stuff people want to listen to you and uh, but the cost of that is always this kind of bs that comes with it and yeah i'm not here for it there also is a certain amount of bias that comes against women who are identified as attractive by whatever norms people are working with because of course there's the concept of pretty privilege right where where people want to look at that person more but then there's also a, a, especially as a woman you don't get taken seriously people think you don't know things and It's just one of these things, like, I guess the truth of the internet is that you just can't win, but you're carving your way and you're making it work. And I think you're right. Like, a lot of it is because you are authentic. And as we said earlier, like, you're pulling in things that matter to you, but you're also aware of all these different aspects through you or different experiences abroad, you know? Yeah, I think it. I would emphasize to anyone thinking about coming into this space and might have a little anxiety about their physical appearance or how they're visually portrayed on the internet, like not being a perfect Instagram model will work in your favor. People want to see natural ladies. They want to see normal people on the internet. And I think that's really some place that I excel in because you can kind of see a little bit of yourself in me whether that's my background, my education, the way I speak, my culture. Um, I just hope that people can see me and think, hey, that girl is like me. I can do that too. Right. And another thing I love about your page is I remember, so you, you do a lot of traveling, right? And I remember you had a recent post where I think you were in Greece and it was this amazing picture or video. Um, but then you also posted the behind the scenes of what it took to get to that picture. And it's like waking up at the butt crack of dawn and like waiting in this crazy line and all of this stuff. It's so representative of life abroad in general, but also travel and all that kind of stuff. It both is and is not as glamorous as it looks. <laughs> oh, for sure. And that's like a metaphor for adulting, I think, because that same video, the reason I'm shooting it from the front is because my back is dripping with sweat and like, <laughs> I just right before that scene I had to like powder my face take off all the sweat like un- unsweat my boobs because like boob sweat <laughs> is a thing y'all yeah and you see a 10 second glimpse of what I construct of my life and you don't get to see all the drama and and the the baggage and the the fails um but i i'm on wonder onwards i share the fails as well as the wins because i think it's important to know that i am also missing as many shots as i'm making i would love to hear more about all of the the travel adventures in that aspect of your life because as you said at the very beginning you you had this one experience in Morocco and it just changed you and left you hungry for more and you definitely seem to still have that even though you're living abroad it's not enough to just be in a different country you still have this thirst for for travel and to see more places so what kind of 
cool travel have you been up to since you're, what, now eight years living abroad? Before I committed to London full time, I actually did a three month backpacking trip through Southeast Asia with like $2,000 in my pocket. <laughs> it was very <laughs> shoestring budget, y'all. Um <laughs> But fortunately, when you have a travel blog um, that's somewhat popular, like people will sponsor you to go places, they will cover your accommodation. And that's how I was able to backpack so affordably. And now that Vanessa's a little bit more grown up and Wander Onwards is actually a profitable business, that actually pays for all of my traveling now, my flights, my hotels, my rentals, like everything because it's a business cost to continue creating content and, and serving my audience, which I think is pretty cool. That's really cool. Oh my God, that's such a classic example of some of the advice you hear of find a way to fund the things you love through other things you love. <laughs> exactly. And here's another hack for all you working ladies out there. Um, find a job that will pay you to travel as well. Because for the last like four years, I've been working in consulting and client services. So I actually get paid, like my company pays to send me out to places and sit with clients and, and work on their software. So I've been sent to Hong Kong, Warsaw, France, all over the UK. And that's also a way I've been able to travel so much because I just travel at the end of the week, stay the weekend, and then fly back. And my company will pay for most of that. I also like that there's this concept of like maintaining your day job. You know, a lot of advice you'll see is all about piecing together side hustles until it forms in, you know, an income stream that can sustain you. But there's a lot to be said for keeping a day job. I love my day job. Yeah. So what are some other things? You mentioned you have you had a lot of, of debt to to pay off and yet still you've been able to construct this really amazing life that fits so many of your interests. So what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? Honestly, if I can't manage $100, how am I going to manage $100,000? And coming back to like the basics of budgeting and understanding your cash flow has made all the difference. Because I started paying down my debt when I was only making 33,000 pounds a year. And when you're taxed at like 40 something percent, that ain't a lot of money. And I was still able to pay down debt and travel. And now that I'm making a lot more than that, I'm still able to focus my money on paying down my debt, but also now investing. And I'm still able to keep my everyday cost relatively the same because I'm so good at budgeting. Inflation of lifestyle is the thief of joy because we're trapped in this mentality that, oh, we work hard, so we deserve nicer things. But if you don't have that good money foundation, that good budgeting foundation, when you're broke, as soon as you get a little bit of money, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, it's so true. It just like grows with you. And then same problem, different income. Exactly. And yeah. it's such a disservice to yourself because you work so hard to increase your income, increase your, your career, and then you're left worrying about money as if nothing changed. So- if you come to Wander Onwards, I talk a lot about financial independence because I'm investing 30 to 50% of my income every month so I can retire early and live off of the dividends in my investment portfolio and my side hustles. I think life is more than just working day in, day out for someone else, and I do not dream of labor, so I'm going to make it happen. 
Man, you have such good clarity about all this. And I'm, I'm curious, how did you come to all of these conclusions? Like, I feel like so many people spend their 20s and, and even 30s just kind of trying to figure out what their convictions are. So how did you become so confident and sure in what you want? And then, of course, enact that into action? I think it's from all the trauma of being an immigrant. <laughs> like, really and honestly. Um, yeah. Every country I've ever been to, like lived properly, has always tried to deport me. So I know that the, the stakes are high. Thinking about being dependent on someone or a government for a visa just like terrifies me. So right now I'm working on my B1 qualification for German so I can become a permanent resident. And then they can't kick me out because I'm allowed to stay here forever. These little decisions about how I'm going to construct my ideal life then allows me to be more imaginative with my side hustles and, and what I'm doing in between. And I think just seeing the beauty that the world has to offer has really convinced me that I'm not here to work nine to five forever. Like there's, there's things I want to be doing and I know how to get myself to the place where I need to be to do that. Yeah. So now that you are in Germany, I mean, I know the year and a half or so you've been here is mostly, okay, all of it's just been the corona years. Mm -hmm. How how do you like Germany? Is it feeling like home? Yeah, I love Berlin. Honestly, this is the one place that really does feel like home. And we're looking into buying a flat here. We're putting down roots. Will those roots hold TBD? Because um, <laughs> my husband is also a wanderlust girl and we might be moving to another European city in the next four years. Who knows? But this is the first place that has really felt like home. It's not necessarily because of the locals, because <laughs> it is a little hard to make German friends uh, since they have so many of their childhood friends in the surrounding area. And then, of course, there's like the language and cultural barriers. But I found a great international crew here. I have a fantastic relationship with my husband's parents who are just down the road in Dusseldorf. And I really think this is something that could be my forever home. That's so beautiful to hear. And I mean, especially quite a statement from someone who, who loves the whole world so much and wants to do and see so much. So Berlin must be special if it's captured your attention. <laughs> oh, it's weird as hell, girl. Come on down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it truly is. Like, it's like Germany is this country that's so within the lines, right? And then Berlin is just where, like, everyone who's outside of the box is. It's exactly. just wild. <laughs> it's just a bunch of weirdos trying to find their place in the world. And I am here for it. And you know what I love about it, too, is like a lot of them are still German. So like they still have this, I, I don't know, I'm going to call it a functionality, this organization, this like sort of clear mindedness to some extent, like it's still in their DNA somehow, but they're still weird. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Oh, 100%. And this place is so international. Like you have people from all over the world, Ethiopia, Thailand, uh, Russia, and somehow we bond over trying to navigate this German country and, and system and language. And we kind of like nod at each other when we struggle with our German conjugations, but it's okay because <laughs> we're all in it together. Yeah, it sounds like you're having a very sort of freeing experience. There. Oh, for sure. I just want to run around in my underpants in like the park and, and worship the sun for no apparent reason. <laughs> 
and you can. You can find a whole group of people at any given day in Berlin. (laughs) Yes, you can. And there's even this like old airport in Berlin that was decommissioned. And basically, Berlin took it over and turned it into this weird park where they brought trailers filled with food. They they built a mini golf course on it of, of trash. And each <laughs> golf hole has its own theme about social justice. And like the global warming hole is a half world on fire. Like the fire ignites when you make a hole in one or something. Whoa. Yeah. And right next to it, it's a drum circle of people in their underpants worshiping the sun. <laughs> And this is my home. I love it. Uh, well, I'm very, very glad that this winding road has has taken you there. And I'm also really glad as someone who is a young woman living abroad trying to figure out her life and, and her finances and all this other stuff and finding her own way. It's it's really nice to be able to pop over to your profile and, and learn some things. So thank you for sharing that with the world. Like I know it's also serving you and your goals, but I think you also know it's really serving the public too and like providing a lot for people like you. So thanks for that. No problem. I'm just trying to like be the person that I wish I could have found eight years ago because that girl was lost and scared and an undocumented person (laughs) in China And there was genuinely nowhere I could turn. There was no big sister in the industry. And I just had to struggle and fall and blindly find my way through the world. So if you are abroad, if you are an immigrant, I I hope to be your beacon of light and like your, your safe place to fall because I've been there, I've done it. And for once in my life, I finally feel like I have it together and it just took practice. So I'm here to to guide you through that practice. I want to wrap this episode up with my my favorite bit of the podcast, which is it's called Zack Zack Zack. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three totally random questions that you just answer without thinking it, overthinking it. You just go with your gut. So are you ready? I am ready. First one is what is your favorite coin in the euro currency? Ooh, my favorite coin, probably the euro, like the number one euro, um, just because it's just such a succinct way of handling money. Like, why do we have $1 bills in the United States? It makes more, it costs more to manufacture that than the bill is worth. And then when you like reach into your wallet and you find that you have five one euro coins and you're like, this is real money. It's it's an amazing moment. Okay, well, uh, the flip side of that coin, uh, pun intended, what is your favorite coin in the US currency? I would say the quarter because you can play drinking games with it. Yeah, girl. (laughs) (laughs) You did meet your husband at beer pong, so this tracks, this tracks. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm a ninja when it comes to these games with like hand-eye coordination. Like you better watch out if you see me at the other end of the table. (laughs) And finally... One common complaint about using the euro currency is what we call the red coins. So these are one, two, and five cent coins that are unlike the others. The others are all silver. These ones are red, um, so copper. Everyone has a different strategy for what they do with these pointless little red coins. So what's yours? What's your strategy for your red coins? So I'll be completely honest. I've never noticed that before. Oh my gosh, but you were in the corona years. You're probably paying by card. Everywhere. Everywhere. Like I can't 
even when I pay in cash, I'm like so precise with the money all three times I've paid in cash in the last <laughs> year. I actually, when you said that, I was like, what is this girl talking about? Which coins are red? <laughs> Yeah, you'll notice it now. And it's so frustrating because, okay, first off, anything below five cents is ridiculous. But they have one cent and a two cent coin. They're super tiny. The five cent, okay, it's like somewhat useful sometimes. But it's just always a problem, especially when something's, you know, 87 cents or whatever, and they give you three back and you're like, what the heck am I ever going to do with this three cents? But let's just all hope that Germany sticks with this new age, this new era of digital payment, credit card payment, it makes way, makes way more sense because the red coins are honestly the worst. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to need to move forward with that. I don't have time for these red coins. <laughs> well, it was a real true delight talking to you. But before we say goodbye, please, please tell people where they can find you, what sort of things you offer, where can people get in touch? So everyone can find me at Wander, W-A-N-D-E-R, onwards on all major platforms. My favorite is Instagram and TikTok. And um, a couple of services I offer is one, my move abroad masterclass. So if you're a expat hopeful, you can come on down to my page and work with me for five weeks in an intensive class. And then I also have um, personal finance workshops and products that you can use to make your expat finances a little bit more streamlined. And I'm coming out with a wealth-focused expat product. And I'm collaborating with a financial planner to do that because how do you financially plan two countries, two currencies, and, and your life bouncing between them? Like, this is the content we need. I'm doing the praise hands. You can't see it right now, but I'm doing <laughs> it. <laughs> well, awesome. We're going to link to your social media, website, all of that in the show notes so people can follow up and follow along. So thank you one more time, seriously, for all that you do and for coming on the show. I appreciate it, Nicole. Thank you so much for everything that you do as well. Like just bringing everyone together on your community, it makes a huge difference. Thanks one more time to Vanessa for coming onto the show. If you're eager for more from Vanessa, she's got an event coming up November 6th. It's called How to Pivot into Tech from Any Industry. I've linked to more information about the event in the show notes. Don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast. And if you haven't already subscribed to The Expat Cast on your podcast app of choice, go ahead and get right to it. And as always, I love getting new reviews. I've actually had a couple come in over the season break, over the summer. Thank you so much to people who took the time to do that. And hey, if you haven't left me a review yet and you're a listener, I would really love it if you could take a moment, leave me five stars, duh, and tell me why you love me, or at least my show. Thanks, as always, goes to Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. Next week, Hannah from Travels by Teslin is back. This time, we're going to get into the topic of empowerment and independence abroad. Till then, have a wonderful week. So good to be back. This done. Tschüss.